Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello and welcome back to Gaywire. I'm Terrence Adams. We're coming from CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton, which is on Treaty 6 territory. It's going to be just me today, and uh, I want to know how your week's been. So pop into the DMs uh, right now, not if you're driving. If you're driving, please don't. Uh, But if you are not driving, if you are in a safe, uh, appropriate situation to do so, if you're in a Zoom meeting, go for it. DM the Gaywire Instagram. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me how your week's been, and tell me your favorite song. But not just any favorite song. Your favorite song to listen to when you've just finished crying and you got to throw that peace sign up in the mirror. So let me know what that song is, and uh, I'll share mine. And speaking of music, I've been listening to a lot of Hosier recently. And coincidentally, this week we take a page out of Hosier's book and go to church. Or rather, Gay Wire reporter Ash Holinda does as they talk to their friend Shiloh Rossborough about his experience as a trans man and his time working as the Affirming Ministries Coordinator of Edmonton. Quick content warning, though. This interview includes discussion of homophobia, transphobia, and a brief mention of self-harm and suicide. So you have been warned, and take care of your brain. This is Ash Holinda talking to Shiloh Rossborough. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you? Doing all right. Um, I guess, did you want to tell the audience a bit about you? Sure. Uh, So my name is Shiloh. My pronouns are he and him. I am the Affirming Ministries Coordinator of Edmonton. Uh, So I'm based out of the Robertson Wesley United Church here in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, My role is to help congregations and organizations become uh, affirming and inclusive of LGBTQ2S plus folks. Um, I provide workshops, training, education, programs, support, and resources, um, as well as sometimes pastoral care to LGBTQ folks um, around religion and also without religion as well. Um, So part of my kind of role is to, you know, be that Christian queer voice in the city. Um, And I help folks who are allies. I help folks who are not allies. I help folks who are, you know, um, in the LGBT community or not. Kind of just, you know, spreading the information around, you know, queer theology and the acceptance of of LGBTQ folks in the faith. Um, Because I I personally have a theology that LGBTQ folks are, you know, made and are celebrated by God. And so that's kind of part of my role and part of my goal is to to help spread that information to folks who may not know that there are LGBTQ affirming places of worship, but as well as to help folks who are anti-LGBTQ to realize kind of some of the the backings for their own theology might not be super founded um, in what the Bible really says. And so part of my role is, yeah, to have that that tough dialogue with people who are anti-LGBTQ and kind of, you know, communicate and work with them and try to help them on their own journey of trying to be accepting. I'm currently uh, graduated, so I'm 
been done my schooling for for my lifetime thankfully um yeah i have two dogs i have a partner that i live with and i'm 23 and i'm quite boring yeah i guess i uh i also like batman and uh i'm a pretty cool guy i think sometimes people say i'm cool so <laughs> i think you're very cool <laughs> thank you yeah shiloh and i actually met at a youth group in st albert which is pretty cool i guess yeah years ago many many years ago <laughs> <laughs> back when yeah. we were both in high school or well, i wasn't in high school quite yet but yeah i was in high school we were both you know quote-unquote baby gays yeah for sure very emotional yes thought we had everything figured out <laughs> <laughs> well that was a lie <laughs> yeah. i still don't have my things figured out yet and i don't think i ever will so that's okay you just gotta wing it as you go that's life yeah. yep <laughs> so i guess we can start with just university and if you want um sure. what made you decide to go to king's university Ooh, uh so king's university actually wasn't even on my radar um i wasn't planning to go there it wasn't until i was actually kicked out of bible college which we can talk about a little bit later uh, as to why but uh being forced out of the school kind of forced me to kind of pick a place quite quickly. Um, and thankfully I had a friend who was already attending King's University um, who was able to, uh, to have a conversation with the president at the time. Um, and I was able to go in and meet them and, and take a tour. And uh, yeah, the school was perfect for what I was pursuing in my education. It was a safe, affirming place. Um, and it was just everything I needed. And so that's kind of why I went there. What did you study while you were at King's University and just in university in general? Yeah, so uh, originally I attended the uh, Canadian Lutheran Bible Institute in Camrose, Alberta. Uh, there I received a certificate in Biblical Studies and Christian Discipleship. Uh, and then I got kicked out of there, and so I transferred over to King's uh, University, and there I got my Bachelor of Arts, and I got a double major in Sociology and Theology. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great combination, I think, uh, especially because my theology degree was very focused on queer theology and so i was able to integrate that a lot with my sociology side of my degree which was a lot about you know society lgbtq gender issues sexuality issues um so i was able to combine them both and it works really well with the type of work i do how would you describe the kind of work that you do now good question yeah so uh my role title is the affirming ministries coordinator of edmonton which doesn't really say anything um so part of my role is to help congregations in edmonton as well as organizations um, who may be or may not be religious um, become affirming and inclusive of lgbtq folks so i also provide you know workshops training um, i do programs i do supports, one-on-one -on -one, um, discussions. I create and send out resources. And I also do a little bit of pastoral care um, to some LGBTQ folks and allies um, within their own religious and spiritual journeys. Um, so that's a, it's a very broad um, job that I do. I do a lot of different things, um, but majority of it is, is mostly the, the workshops, the training and the resources. And then, especially with COVID night right now, it's very hard to kind of connect with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but I've been doing so um, over the year through Zoom and, and uh, outside gatherings. That's cool. Uh, COVID really threw a wrench in everything, to put it lightly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the things that I did, we either had to move online or scrap completely. So it was it was a really depressing few months when it first happened because there was a lot of things I worked really hard on that I had to just stop. Yeah. What is your opinion on queer discrimination within the religious community? I think I'm sick and tired of it, personally. Um, of course, I, I did schooling in this, and so I have 
many, many years of education around queer theology and just inclusivity um, around uh, the Bible and interpretation. Um, and just a lot of the reasonings behind Christian or Christian oppression and discrimination towards LGBTQ people, it, it's really unfounded. Like there's not a lot in the Bible that even talks about it. And if it does, it doesn't even reference, you know, LGBTQ people as we know them to be now. Um, back then it was, it was very gruesome. You know, it was about rape, it was about power, it was about, you know, pedophilia. Like those were the, the reasonings behind some of the texts. Um, and yeah, there's only seven verses in the entirety of the Bible when there's thousands of them um, that even reference anything slightly close to what LGBTQ people experience. Um, and then even we talk about trans identities, there's absolutely nothing in there that talks about trans folks. Um, and so I just, I find it's quite annoying that churches are still holding on to something that doesn't really exist anymore. And we're starting to see a lot of changes with not only the United Church of Canada, which has been already quite affirming for, for many, many years, but we're starting to see a lot more denominations start shifting their, their ideas and, and their understanding of it and starting to be more accepting. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of the non, the churches that are still oppressive and anti-gay um, to start losing memberships. We're seeing a lot of young people not wanting to join places like that because a lot of young people just don't care. You know, they don't, they don't find that, you know, being anti-LGBTQ, you know, racist, sexist, all that is just so yesterday, you know, and so a lot of young people are starting to, to shift more to more of these inclusive denominations and we're starting to see them grow a little bit more. What is something that you would tell young people who feel disconnected from religion because of all the discrimination? Well, first off, I want to say sorry um, that that is the experience that they've had. Um, secondly, I would say that if it is something that they are willing to engage in again, that there are so many more denominations and groups and communities that would be more accepting of them. Um, and it's just it's just hard finding those communities, you know, and and wanting to find those those places that you know fully love you and accept you for who you are. Um, so that's what I would say. Is I would just say, you know that is a completely valid experience. Um, it is okay to feel, you know, heartbroken and upset and angry. Um, I know I was there, I still am there sometimes uh, in certain days, but I think just realizing that if you could find a community that is accepting, that your views on it might change a little bit. And so I would encourage folks who are interested in continuing that. Um, if faith is something that is, is you know, driving their hearts then to, to to look and find those communities. And I have a huge list of communities in Edmonton and surrounding that are affirming. So if you ever want to, to look at that, you can definitely find that online. Through your work as the Affirming Ministries Coordinator, what have you been doing to help make religion more accessible to people? Um, so majority of my work is, is workshop based. Uh, recently that hasn't been the case because of COVID and a lot of churches focusing more so on, on COVID related uh, aspects, but those who are interested in doing it, I help with policy changing. So I'll meet with um, some committees and help them reframe some of the language they use for policies, for marriage policies, for um, some of the inclusion policies they use. I also help do training. And so I teach them, you know, how to be allies. I teach them, you know, what is LGBTQ. Um, I also teach them how to, to be affirming. So there's the United Church has a, a whole program called um, Affirm United that they follow. And it's about a two year process. So the entire church um, engages in this process where they learn um, what LGBTQ info is. They learn about the issues. They hear stories from people all over. Um, they hear stories from congregations who have gone through the process. They hear from parents who have been in churches who have had their children be excommunicated. Um, so they do a lot of this work in this education and they do, they, they change their policies, they change some of their bathroom signs, they, you know, add certain things like ramps, they, um, 
part of even the affirming process as well as being inclusive to folks who are disabled, to people of color, to indigenous folks. So it's not even just about LGBTQ people, but it's about being inclusive in general. And so they do a huge uh, transformation over a year or two years, um, and then they all vote. And then if they get it, then they get a little certificate and they're allowed to, you know, fly pride flags around. Um, so that's the majority of my role is just supporting churches who are going through that process, um, either through educating them or being the person that comes and sells stories um, or just helping with some of the nitty gritty policy stuff. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, so that's the majority of it. And then if, it, if I look into more of the community-based stuff, I know Edmonton's had a lot of issues with our queer community right now, especially around um, issues around racism and pride cancellation and just our pride center not having a church. A consistent director. Um, it's been quite hard for, for a lot of external, um, you know, programs and communities to kind of come together. But before that happened, there was a lot of stuff. Like I, I do a bunch of programs and one-on-one -on -one meetings and I help kind of be a voice for uh, at least the, the Christian side of the LGBTQ community and some of that uh, planning. That's very cool. So I guess while you were starting off in this field and throughout your university did you meet anyone who does similar work to as now and have you worked with anyone yeah i have actually um so i mentioned previously that there's an organization called affirm united that works with the united church um and they're part of the 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 founding group that created the process that these churches go through and so there's three affirming coordinators um i know my name's quite similar to what their role is but it's a little bit different and so I've worked with them a few times on certain um, aspects and policy changing. Um, we share resources and stuff like that as well. And there's another uh, lady down in uh, Calgary. Uh, her name's Pam Rocker. She's absolutely amazing. And she uh, runs her ministry called Affirming Connections. Um, and we've worked together in the last year. Unfortunately, our event got pushed online when COVID hit, but we did an Affirming Leaders Day event where we had almost 100 people join us. And we had um, myself as a speaker, another person here in Edmonton called Mark Reverend Mark Chang. Um, he's a really uh, awesome person who speaks about queer theology as well. Um, so it's both of us and we had um, a singer from Ontario uh, join us and she sang her song and showed her, her, her story. And then we also had um, a man named David who runs a comic strip called Naked Pastor. Um, and he does comics and, and prints uh, about kind of just breaking down some of the, the wrongness that Christianity has kind of um, brought about and he really portrays it in a very um, naked way, hence his name, Naked Pastor. So we had a really big event um, and so we've worked together a few times. We just recently worked together on an interview called um, What the Hell? And it's a video about queer perspectives on the theology or quote lack thereof of the idea of hell. Um, and that was just released a few days ago. So we worked together a few times here in Alberta. Um, so we've combined a lot. And there's other folks all over Canada that I've worked with one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we've combined our, our initiatives together to kind of create more bigger events. But yeah, there's plenty of folks who are similar to me all around. Um, but I would say I'm probably the only one kind of similar in Edmonton area um, that has done this type of work. But there are folks all over Canada. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping if this role gets a little bit bigger that we can kind of create a, a larger um, organization where we can all kind of work together and be a Canada-wide initiative rather than just these local um, initiatives. That's very cool. Yeah, it's been a fun two years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did remember earlier you mentioned that when you switched over to King's College, you said that you were kicked out of your original college. Would it be okay if we talked about that? Of course, yes. Get the tea. Um, so yeah, I 
I attended church when I was in high school. And so because I didn't grow up in a religious household, I had no clue about anything in, in Christianity and the Bible. I knew nothing. And I wanted to, I got the call to kind of go into ministry because I felt like that was kind of the, the way my life was going at that time. Um, but I didn't want to just jump into a, a big theology degree with absolutely nothing <laughs> um, going in. And so I felt like it was probably more appropriate for me to attend a Bible college instead, which is usually about a year or two that people join just to get a little bit more knowledge before they move on into um, post-secondary. And so that was the, the path I took. Um, uh, my pastor and I applied to over five different colleges here in Alberta. Um, all but one said, no, I cannot attend as an openly out LGBTQ person. They said that they, would, they just wouldn't allow it. Um, but this one, co- this one college said that they would be okay with me coming, even though I was out. Um, but the school, uh, it turned out to be not a great experience. I went and I was happy that they allowed me to go, um, but they put on a lot of rules for me. I was forced to, to stay in the female dorm. I couldn't use the men's dorm, um, even though I was already out and transitioning at that time. Um, they made their staff uh, call me she, her, even though they, even if they didn't want to, even if they wanted to use female pronouns for me, they couldn't on the school grounds. Um, I had to, you know, work with the prison ministry practicum instead of the youth ministry practicum because they didn't want me um, around any of the youth. Um, I was, you know, subjected to very uh, terrible anti-LGBTQ theology, very misogynistic theology as well. Um, they also just were just not that affirming as they seemed to be like at the start they were really excited for me to come they really um, welcomed me but then by the time i got there it was just like a huge flip um they were just not as supportive and not as um kind of i guess flexible as they seemed to be going in um and then about the beginning of the year every student uh is I don't want to say forced, but encouraged uh, to meet with a mentor every two weeks and kind of just more of a, not like a therapy session, but kind of just a a time where you can meet with a mentor and kind of just, you know, talk things out. And so I was, uh, that was part of my job as well as a student, I was supposed to meet with a mentor, but they actually gave me an external mentor, whereas all the other students had kind of an internal mentor, either as a staff um, or as a staff member's wife or husband who is is part of the community, that would be their mentor. But for me, I had an external person uh, who had no connection with the college at all um, that I later actually found out was part of an ex-gay ministry and encouraged, you know, conversion therapy. And so I met with this man for over a year um, trying to talk about my queer identity and little did I know his intentions were not to be affirming but rather the opposite and so i thankfully once school ended i i stopped that con- that conversation and i i stopped meeting with him um but yeah so by that time halfway through i got the notion that i could start my hormone therapy and at that time i was i was pre-hormones i was pre-operation uh, and so i still looked very quote-unquote female at the time um and so they were concerned that if I started testosterone, things would get a little wishy-washy with, you know, me sounding and looking like I do now, um, but still staying in the female dorm. So it was kind of a, it was a weird dynamic to be in. And so they essentially told me if I, you know, take hormone therapy, then I'll be removed from the school and I wouldn't be allowed back. Um, And so that was the case. And I transferred over to King's. I'm sorry that all happened. And I've never looked back. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a give or take. I really appreciated all the things I learned in the school. I felt like I learned quite a bit, and I made really good friends along the way. Um, but I, it is really frustrating. That was my first experience in a very conservative Christian community that I just wasn't accepted, and that people just took me as a joke almost. Um, 
And so thankfully, like my experience with Kings really helped me bounce back. I know I had a lot of trauma coming out of there. Um, I know trying to, you know, attend church after that was very hard, you know, talking about religion was really hard because it just brought up a lot of, you know, just terrible things that I would think about during the school year and just the, the, the stress and the, the trauma that ensued with that. Um, so it was really hard, but thankfully I had a lot of supportive people around me. I had really great friends. I had a great pastor. I had people who genuinely cared that helped me heal through that time. So I think that's kind of, kind of the fire underneath me is, is to make sure that no kid never gets to experience that again. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Um, mm -hmm. I think the community is very lucky to have an ally like you and well, I mean like allies in the sense, you know, what I mean. yeah. <laughs> have you as one of their allies, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that's and that's hard because like I my story is very lucky. You know, I I only experienced you know Bible college and had that, whereas folks have you know parents and family members who do that kind of stuff. Um, and my family's been very supportive. They're were probably more upset that I was religious than I was queer. So, <laughs> so I've I've had a very lucky um, upbringing, and I think that helps me have a clear head in trying to talk about this kind of stuff. That I can bring some of the the factual, you know you know, information about religion to folks who have been burned by Christianity. And then also I have that fire burning under me that I can go to these anti-LGBTQ people and be like, you know what, like, this is BS, you know, you can't keep doing this because this is why, you know, there's many kids who are, you know, you know, going through self-harm, who are killing themselves because of the things that you were saying. And that's obviously not Christian. Um, and so, yeah, that's been part of my work is, is connecting with some of these very conservative folks and trying to not change their mind, but to, to give them a different interpretation um, rather than the one that they've been you know forced fed all their life and without thinking about it i'm making them think about it that's that's really that's really amazing thank you it's hard work you know get burned out quite really fast and uh you know there's only so many times where you can you know listen through anti-lgbtq you know videos or you know messages on the facebook thing that people send and you know sometimes it gets hard but then you, you meet people that are like wow you've changed my life and that really revives the soul and, and keeps me going for sure what helps you with the burnout and everything with this line of work having supportive people i think really helps um being able to be around more inclusive and affirming folks more so than people who are negative really really helps um, I think, again, having people, you know, come and thank me um, is something that really uh, is reviving. I also really work with a great community as well with, you know, the United Church. They're really supportive in, you know, time off, mental health, um, and they're super supportive. They would jump in anytime if I needed any support or help. Um, so, yeah, so having having that support system it has been life-changing. If I didn't have any of that and I was alone, <laughs> I feel like I would have been burnt out by month three rather than two years later, so. And I would also say boundaries. Boundaries are really, really important. So there's definitely times where people send me hate mail, I just don't read it, or I block them, or things like that, instead of trying to, you know, pursue in that, you know, Facebook comment argument and just burn myself out of it. Sometimes it's just, people just don't care sometimes. You know, people just don't want to change their mind and you just got to let them be, you know, focus my energy on the people that are willing to change or want to listen. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. Yeah, no worries. And Thanks for really inviting cool. me. I've always wanted to ask you about all this stuff, so it's really <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing my story a little bit and, and to acknowledge that, you know, there are, you know, safe and affirming churches here in Edmonton and around, um, especially folks like we, we met in St. Albert and St. Albert United Church is 
you know, they've been affirming for over six years and they're the nicest people I've ever met. And every, every month I get an email from them from uh, asking for ideas on how to be more supportive. And, you know, the minister visits the, the group that you and I met at to, you know, engage with the kids and just to be a, a positive, you know, ally who's, you know, happens to be a pastor, you know, and especially with the United Church too, is like, we're not pushy. We're not, you know, those uh, conservative folks who are like evangelicals who are like, everyone needs to have Jesus or die. Um, we're not about that. We're just a community of people who, you know, happen to, you know, love and believe in God. And if that's a community you want to be a part of, then welcome. If not, then still welcome. You know what I mean? Um, so we're just a place that we just want to show people that we care and love everyone and, you know, amazing places like St. Albert um, United or the place that I work at, Robertson Wesley United. We're just places of community that, you know, we just want people to feel loved and welcomed as they are, regardless of who they are. Um, and just to know that there are places like that, you know, not every Christian's a bigot. The work you do is amazing and it's always really cool to hear about it. So thank you. I appreciate it. Where can people go to find what you're doing and find out more about you and reach out to you? I know we mentioned Facebook earlier, but maybe just a quick reminder. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can check up on some of the stuff I do through the Robertson Wesley United Church website, um, just rwuc.org. Um, you can check out my Facebook page called Affirming Ministries, or you can even add me on Facebook as Shiloh at Affirming Ministries. Uh, I also have an Instagram with the same name, Affirming Ministries. Um, you can even email me at affirming.ministries at rwuc.org. Awesome. Thank you so much for the interview. Yeah, no, thank you for, for inviting me. Yeah, uh, feel free to reach out anytime. If anyone who's listening who wants to just meet up or have any questions, um, I'm totally open for coffee or Zoom chat anytime. Awesome. That was Ash Halinda speaking with Shiloh Rossborough about his experience as a trans man in a religious community and the work he is doing for both LGBTQ plus communities and religious communities today. You're listening to Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. Next up, we've got a nifty little queer history fact to titillate your ears and your brain, curated by Alex Chiru. For those moments they left out of our textbooks, here's this week's lesson in queer history. With Pansexual and Panromantic Awareness and Visibility Day approaching on May the 24th, let's explore the origins of the word pansexual and what it has meant to the LGBTQ community over the years. The prefix pan comes from the ancient Greek word for all or every. Pansexuality is therefore the attraction to individuals regardless of their gender identity. The Oxford English Dictionary tells us that the term first appeared in 1914 as pansexualism in a criticism of Sigmund Freud's theories in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology. At this time, the term was used to denote Freud's idea that sex was the primary motivator of all human activity. The word has a very different use today, though it wasn't until the 90s that it blossomed into a known sexual orientation. The term's usage developed over time from articles in the 1970s describing sexuality and rock musicians to its growth in the 80s and 90s as activism surrounding different gender identities became more prevalent. Social media in the early 2000s has allowed for pansexual awareness to grow, the pink, blue, and yellow flag emerging online in 2010. Recently, celebrities like Janelle Monet and Miley Cyrus have spoken out about their pansexuality in the media, making the term one of the most searched on Merriam-Webster in 2018. Today, pansexuality is an important term that describes the identity of a large portion of the LGBTQ community. 
happy Pandaya visibility, and catch you in our next history class. And that was a queer history fact from Alex Sheru. Nifty indeed. And with that, Gaywire is out of time for the week. Thank you to Shiloh Rossborough, our guest. Today's show was produced by Shayna Giles, Jao Victor Krieger, Bethany Godro, Alex Giroux, Ash Halinda, Caden Peasley, and me, Terrence Adams. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire and at GaywireCJSR on Instagram. Let us know what you think of the show. Hit up the DM sometime, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywire at cjsr.com and you never know, you might just get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Katherine Hiltz. Thanks for listening.